You're listening to Rintoul and Sermon. There's other stuff going on, but we know what most of you want to focus on, so we will do that, and we will get to some of those other stories, including the Olympics. I got my first taste of Olympic action late yes. last night, Karen, and early this morning. I watched some Re- live. I watched some softball last night. I did you not stay awake? till the end of the game. Yeah, I was still awake. I was up pretty late last night, and I found myself compelled by the Canada-Mexico softball game, which Canada won opener. Got to play USA next, but that was a good win for the Canadian team on the diamond. And I consumed a little bit of soccer this morning. I didn't watch it in its entirety in real time simply because of the timeline for our show and everything that was breaking with hockey. But I did mm-hmm. watch a decent chunk of Canada v. Japan, which ended up being a disappointing result from my point of view because of the way the game played out. Christine Sinclair, 187th international goal, best all-time caps. goal scorer in soccer. And, yeah, 300 caps and 187 goals in that time. That production rate is ridiculous. So she scores. They're up for most of the match. Halfway through, goaltender gets hurt mm-hmm. on a play so where she it. fouled a Japanese player. She gets hurt. She's in tears on the pitch. Decides, I'm going to try to continue. Saves the penalty kick. And then five minutes later, can't go. Canada gets scored on late. It's not one of those results that dooms Canada or anything like that. Japan's host nation. A lot of... Adrenaline coming in this game yeah. is always going to be a big deal, but it's one that was disappointing based on the way the game was playing out because the goaltender who came in, the keeper, was caught out of position, and you kind of feel like if Labby was in there, that save gets made. Hopefully she's okay for the rest of the tournament. I haven't seen an update on her injury status. No, I haven't as well. Of course, it's the middle of the night right now in uh, Japan, I believe. It's the middle of the night. I think if I've got my timing right. London 2012, Rio 2016 won the bronze. I have to say, like, what was the... Did they have, like, the fake sound on the broadcast from the fans? Because we know no fans are going to be allowed in the entirety of this Olympics. Like, what was the broadcast point of view? Was it was it like what we've watched so far with the Premier League, with the Bundesliga, with MLS, that kind of stuff? Yeah, you know what? I didn't even take note of that. I was so okay, much more interested good. in just the soccer and the commentary. Claire Rustad is doing the the color for it. I thought she was excellent in breaking down the game. Karina LeBlanc, former national team member as well. She was part of the analysis with Andrew Petrillo today. I found the coverage very good. I thought the women looked very good out there today. We have high expectations for this group because they seem to always deliver at the Olympics. They do. I think we're expecting that to be a medal-winning team. I have one. The one I'm going to save, though, I do have a take the L to come out of the Olympics today, but I'm going to save it until we do take the L, Scott, because I think it's more fun to do it that pay because it's a literal take the L. But yes, Canada-Japan 1-1. That's really important <laughs> to have. And the softball, too. Like The fact that these women haven't been in an Olympics game since 2008. Like It disappeared. It came back. Baseball's back this year in Canada, hoping to get a medal. They've never won a medal in women's softball so hoping to get that chance the fact that they won their opening game 4-0 and the U.S. won their opening match 2-0 sets up a 5 p.m. Pacific time 6 p.m. Mountain time you can watch it tonight if you don't want to watch the Seattle expansion draft because you already know the players you can tune in and watch Canada U.S. women's softball from the Olympics or you can work the PVR that's how I go about it watch something live watch something dual screens can do that as well it can do the dual screens but if you want to focus your attention I would suggest PVR is a good route for you. It's Rintoul, it's Sermon. Get in on the conversation. A lot of people talking about all of the leaks that are out there. I haven't seen. Do we have an update on Detroit yet? That's the lone team that we don't know <laughs> no, right I. now. 
I don't think he's everyone's keeping it tuning, close. Yeah, I don't think everyone's tuning in just to find out who that pick is going to be off of the Red Wings roster. Maybe it's Troy Stetcher, maybe it's someone else. But there's a lot of other stuff out there, and there's some people scratching their heads saying, like, why would Seattle take Alexander True, who played his high school hockey in in Washington, and so there's a local connection there, and there's other players on this list saying, well, why did they go with that guy over these other guys? The Philadelphia pick, for example, was a bit of a head-scratcher for a lot of people. Most thought it was going to be James Van Riemsdyk or Jakob Voracek if they really wanted to pay the piper and go in on an eight-and-a-quarter, three-year deal that Voracek still has on the table. And instead, it's Carson Torinsky. And is that a side deal with the Philadelphia Flyers? Is that something different? You tell me. That one strikes me as a side deal with the Philadelphia Flyers because of the fact they had a lot more tasty free agents at not as high of cap hit of a say a carry price or vladimir tarasenko they still need to take on some money scott they're only at about 47 million they got to get to that 60 million dollar at least floor by the time that they have their um their full roster in they need to get to i believe just under 50 million by the end of today with their picks but i digress philly has the 14th overall pick and we've been thinking and kind of banding around the back, like, how many first overall picks do you think are out there for players not to take? Like, did Philly throw in a don't take Van Riemsdyk or Voracek if you pick this guy, whatever his name is, and we'll give you the 14th overall pick? Vegas got two. They got the Islanders and they got Columbus to stay away from players. Is this one of those teams where it looks like maybe Chuck Fletcher throws in something because he really wants to keep some of these players with his team because of the draft? What are you going to get at 14th overall? We don't know. Does that give Ron Francis some more currency to go out there and make a trade to maybe get a, mm, I don't know, Jack Eichel out of Buffalo? It's really interesting to see if this is the case, but Philly does strike me as the one that they're thinking it probably has a side deal going there. It just strikes and, me as it. And maybe it's a pre-draft side deal. Some of these end up being post-draft side deals as well. And it is relevant to go back and look at Vegas. And I've seen some people say there wasn't as much noise around this, despite everything that's transpired this morning. And Frank Saravelli at the lead of the pack, breaking all of these picks. There F-box. were others who came in late. Leading up to this, it was really quiet. And mm-hmm. Vegas, there was a little more noise. There was a little more scuttlebutt. It's interesting to go back and revisit what happened with Vegas after the draft. And we found out about these side deals. Hey, here's what we'll give you to stay away from our players. I don't think there's as many of those. I think it would be shocking if there were as many of those this time around. The list is lengthy. And we know a lot of the names that were associated. We know what Florida did. We know what Minnesota did. We know what Winnipeg did. There were a lot of people who paid a premium stay away from these players on a roster. Winnipeg first. So I don't think there's much of this. This time around, there'll be a little, but not much of it. What happens post-trade? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a couple of names. Guys like Connor Brickley, Chris Thorburn, J.F. Barube. They never played for the Vegas Golden Knights. They never did. Those were players who they took and just let go as free agents. There were other players like Calvin Pickard and Alexei Emelum and Mark Mathot is one we've brought up multiple times. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, David Schlemko. David Those Slimson. players were yeah. traded. So... Don't get too enamored with what you see today and ask too many questions about what you see today. Let's see where things are at when the smoke clears, and that's what I'm interested in next. Okay, 
How many pre-draft side deals were there? How many post-draft deals are there as well? And now where it gets interesting, Karen, is that Seattle, by virtue of what it's done so far today, it's given itself all this financial flexibility. It still can take on some of the contracts that teams were wondering, would they bite? Would they bite on Vladimir Tarasenko? Would they bite on Carey Price? Would they bite on some of the other high-priced numbers, Jakub Voracek, that's out there? Okay, now that they didn't, are we as a franchise, St. Louis, for example, are we still motivated to move that contract badly enough that we do a, a subsequent deal with Seattle or someone else? Like, this is going to get very active in a hurry. Well, and look at Tampa Bay. Like, they still got a lot, a ton of cap issues, even with the fact they've got likely Yanni Gord off their books. I mean, we know Alex Kalorn was available. He doesn't want to go play there, apparently. He told the Spit and Chicklets podcast that he wants to stay. I'm sure they'd like him to stay. Uh, they've got Andre Platt still out there. Tyler Johnson, how do they get rid of his contract? Is there a side deal for him to go to Tamp or to go to Seattle? And when you look at what Vegas did, Scott, and going back and after the draft, Deals like they they flipped all of those players for picks. So Trevor Van Riemsdyk, second rounder to Carolina. David Slumko, 2019 fifth rounder. Mark Mathot, it was a second rounder which they used to get Mark Stone. Alexi Yemelin, uh, Yem- sorry, that's a Preds third rounder. Like they used all of those defensemen, and those were four defensemen right there, to get draft capital which they used later down the road to help them with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone and different deals uh, that came about. So you have to think that Ron Francis does have a lot of things in the hopper to get more currency uh, to, uh, to use at his disposal because it worked very well for Vegas. They ended up improving their team and you could argue that maybe it has hampered them down the road because they they give up a Nick Suzuki. They do no longer have Clody Glass. They get a Nolan Patrick in return for that. But you could argue that some of the deals that they've made, they had the draft capital. Now they don't. And they haven't, they've fallen short of their long-term goal. But I do think that Ron Francis has a lot more in the cooker than what we've heard so far today. Well, what we've heard so far today is that they're loading up on D. And that's what many of us expected. We didn't know that it would come with signing a couple of free agents. That was reported very early today. Adam Larson on his way to Seattle on a 4 by 4 I haven't seen a number yet for Jamie Alexiak. No. But there's the selection out of Dallas. And that's an unrestricted free agent that they've got a contract in place for reportedly. Look at all the other defensemen. Hey, we expected Mark Giordano. Vince Dunn. Another defenseman. You've got guys with some val- Carson Soucy, Jeremy Lozon. There are a bunch of defensemen that they're bringing in here, and they're not all going to stay. Yep. Can I also point out the fact that Dougie Hamilton was not taken in his rights? Did you say? I don't know if you said his name. Sorry. I did not say uh, his right name. There. No, they're taking Morgan Geeky out of Carolina, which is the yeah. bigger surprise that they're not taking Jake Bean. And look, Seattle can circle back like anybody else. And try to sign Dougie Hamilton. Like, you can go two for one with some of these teams. Yes, exactly. And that's my point being is, like, July 28th, Dougie Hamilton could still be a Seattle Kraken. We know that he, uh, Ron Francis was the guy that brought him to Carolina. So you have to think that he likes the player. He's coming off basically a career year in Carolina. They'd like to keep him, but who knows what can happen with the salary cap and Honestly, too. I mean, you look at <laughs> you look at Dougie Hamilton. He could have a deal in place with Seattle right now. We don't know that because of the fact that his agent was given permission to go around and talk to other GMs, seek out a trade, see what the market was like, and maybe he does go back to Carolina. And the market was a little bit more bullish on Dougie Hamilton than he expected it to be. But would it not surprise you if he signs with Seattle Kraken come next Wednesday? It wouldn't surprise me at all. 
Minor Matt asking if Tampa offered up Cal Foot to the Kraken so they would select Tyler Johnson. Do they do it instead of taking Yanni Gord? Well, not based on the report. Apparently, Yanni Gord was one of the players they focused on early. One of the questions we asked over the last couple of days, Karen, so where do you start? Where do you start when you're building all of this? Because as you start to add players, it eats up a certain a positional number that you have to draft or you have a cap on drafting. Do you start with goaltenders? Do you start with centers? What is mm-hmm. the most scarce commodity out there? Centers are the most scarce commodity. And by the sounds of things, Yanni Gord was an early decision based on the reporting that's out there. I don't know what subsequent side deals could be in place with Tampa Bay. You alluded to this earlier. Hey, we know that they're going to have to be moving more off of the Tampa Bay roster. Does Seattle get more involved in that? Do they get involved with Blake Coleman on the free agent market, for example? There's mm-hmm. a guy who's hitting and, and will have some interest around the league. But do they try to bring him to Seattle as, as part of their new identity as well? I would become a Kraken fan today and leave the Canucks if they trade for Louis Erickson and take on that contract critique from Prince George. Hey, you want to stay a Canucks fan if they were to figure out a way how to get rid of that Louis Erickson contract. This also comes in, Scott. How do we know who they're taking already? Um, for those late to uh, tuning in today, we talked about it off the top. We've talked about it. Uh, we'll give Frank Saravelli the top props, but all the insiders today, whether it's from TSN or Sportsnet, Chris Johnson, Elliot Friedman, there's been a ton of leaks, I guess, of who's being taken. The biggest name so far, we know the goalies for Florida, Chris Drieger, that's been already, uh, that's been out there for days. They're going to take him from Florida, sign him to that three-year $10.5 million deal. Vitek Venesek from Washington apparently is going to be the Washington pick, and Joey Decord from Ottawa. Forwards of note, Scott, Jared McCann from Toronto. He was short-lived there. Yanni Gord, as you just mentioned, Tampa Bay. Brandon Tana from Pittsburgh. And Brandon Tana for Pittsburgh, I think that's going to be highly debated among the fan base. Like, he's a fan favorite. And they paid him a lengthy contract. You know, it wasn't a high AAV. He's an uh, energy player. He can be a little S-disturber on the on the uh, ice, Scott, but he's going to be coming back to Seattle crack, and I think uh, Pittsburgh might be a little bit upset about losing that, considering we thought he'd be protected by the Pittsburgh Penguins, or at least some did. Cole Lind is going from Vancouver, Mason Appleton from Winnipeg, uh, Mark Giordano from the Calgary Flames, Jamie Oleksiak and Adam Larson both have apparently signed deals with the Seattle Kraken, so they will be the picks from those two teams, and Vince Dunn from the St. Louis... I was going to say Cardinals, St. Louis Blues. He apparently is going to Seattle as well. So those are big names that Seattle seems to be taking right now from all these franchises. Pittsburgh had protection issues. They couldn't protect everybody. The forwards they protected, Teddy Bluger, Jeff Carter, Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Kasperi Kapanen, Jenny Malkin, Brian Rust. Pretty hard to argue with any of those. Wasn't it, though, when they traded Jared McCann, the expectation was, though, that they would protect a Brandon Tanev? No? I don't think so. And again, I'm not sure which one of those most people would argue with. Maybe you like him more than Kasperi Kapanen, but they paid to get him last year. They made that deal with Toronto. Tough to argue with that. I do believe there was a school of thought that Zach Aston Reese would be the player selected instead of Brandon Tanev. I think it's a smart play. And I also think that Brandon Tanev, if you didn't want to keep him, has value on the market. And, and that is part of the link here with a lot of the players selected. Not all of them. Some of them you're Googling, did this guy even play last year? Where is he in the system? <laughs> Why is this the selection out of here? Well, the other thing you have to remember as they make their 30 selections here today, mm-hmm. they're not all going to play. 
and they're not all going to play at the National Hockey League level either. The one thing that Seattle has a task of doing, and Vegas had the task of doing, is starting to fill out a prospect system as well, and that's not all through draft picks. You all know this with your AHL teams. You need bodies to play, and you yeah. need insulation for some of your prospects, and you want to develop a winning culture at the American Hockey League level. It's been talked a lot about with Tampa Bay. Hey, this core group learned to win together first at the American Hockey League level, and, and that's where the pressure comes from, and that's part of the reason that when we lose somebody, we have somebody to plug into the lineup like a, a Ross Colton. Like, we have guys like that. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with our AHL team. Well, that's part of the process here as well. They're selecting some players that they expect are going to play for their American Hockey League affiliate as well. Yes, it is. Uh, Brian Antano's face when he heard he was going to Seattle is the same as every picture of him on Hockey DB. Yes, he does have the same face. Scott Tano is up there with the Ekholm for best contracts in the leagues. To be honest, I thought he was a slam dunk pick from the jump. That's Joey and Richmond. My whole point with it is, is the thought that Pittsburgh fans are going to be, they're not going to like losing him. Like, he's just one of those guys, if you need someone out there to give you energy on the ice, you put him out there. He can, you know, contribute on the score sheet as well. A couple of 20 points uh, seasons, I believe. He was just under that this year. But it's more about what he brings on the ice and what he can bring to that team. And Pittsburgh really liked him, and they really wanted him, and they gave him that deal. So I think fans there in Pittsburgh, and that's why I think Joey Richmond points out a slam dunk, because he's that type of player that you would want on an expansion team. Lindsay asking what changes were made, if any, since the Vegas expansion draft. None. It was the same expansion draft rules. Exactly the same. The only thing is, is Vegas didn't have to give a pick. So not all the teams had to give a selection to Seattle. Did not share in the expansion money and did not have to expose a player either. Sam texting, it's too bad the Leafs lost McCann. They might have won a playoff round with him taking a (laughs) shot at Toronto's playoff history. To be fair, Jared McCann's never won a playoff round either. He hasn't, eh? Nope. Really? Not saying he's a bad player, and certainly not every player on the Toronto Maple Leafs is a bit bad player, but McCann hasn't won a playoff round. Pittsburgh got ousted in the first round this year. They did, and they lost in the play-in round last year, Scott, in the postseason. As we know, they kept their postseason record alive, if you want to consider the play-in round, the postseason. People wondering what kind of deals are going to go down. Unsigned texter. Canucks likely to add a number one pick with Holtby instead of Erickson to dump salary. Dumb move. Holtby can contribute as asset value for Seattle. There are not many things that I would be 100% convicted on. I'm 100% convicted on that. The Vancouver Canucks will not package a first-round pick with Braden Holtby so that Seattle takes him off their hands, or any other team for that matter. No chance. Ian McIntyre, by the way, reporting today, he of Sportsnet, that there was some discussion between Jim Benning and Ron Francis about a Braden Holtby acquisition and perhaps some salary cap retention. The Canucks did not have the appetite to retain any salary with Braden Holtby. Multiple reports out there suggesting other teams are interested in Braden Holtby. Does that come with salary cap retention? What would the asset be coming in return? I have no idea, but that is one of the storylines we'll see play out over the next week or so. And, of course, we should talk about the fact that Mark Giordano, the captain of the Calgary Flames, is moving on to Seattle at least for the next 24 hours, Scott. 
<laughs> if reports are true, end of an era, he finishes his time, the team 51 games shy of 1,000. It's always tough losing your captain and one of your best players. He won a Norris just a few years ago, Scott. I mean, he still has a lot of value to a team. Reports are out there that maybe there's a deal in place to move him to the New York Rangers, if you're to believe that. But he will be selected by the Seattle Kraken today. Again, we heard yesterday that Mark Giordano, that asking price from Seattle from Brad Trelimian, or sorry, from Ron Francis to Brad Trelimian, was just too much. They w- they just weren't going to willing to give up those picks or whatever he was asking for to keep and not select Mark Giordano. So maybe they keep him. They have a veteran defenseman that they can be as their captain potentially moving forward. Or you flip him and you get some assets. How are they going to replace him? It's a really loaded question. Here's the thing it opens up for Calgary and any other team that lost a player here today. And, and obviously the contract values are a lot different across the board. It opens up some cap space. So... I don't believe for a second that Brad Treliving is going to sit idly by and that Mark Giordano leaving the Calgary roster is going to be the big change they make this year. Like, that's a team that's going to be active. That's a team that could do something significant in the next couple of days. We've seen Treliving make big deals at the draft before. We all know about the Dougie Hamilton deal that saw Hannafin on his way back and Lindholm on his way back. Do they shake things up again? Well, here's the deal. Now you can bring a different asset back, and maybe you can take on a little more money. Because you're looking for a little more on the back end. Also, you Mm -hmm. freed up some cap space. So whereas you were worried about dollar for dollar with a deal prior to this, you got a little more flexibility. Like you don't have Ron Francis financial flexibility, but you've got a little more financial flexibility. Oilers lose Larson, Flames lose Geo. Meanwhile, Alex Edler is looking for a new home. I heard that rumored, Scott. If he wants to stay close to his family, I mean, why not look at, What's a little bit to the east of him? We know Calgary likes to sign free agents off the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks team. Has that happened? That. Has that happened before? I think three times last year. Yes, it happened three times last year. Uh, Edmonton, they're looking for a replacement, a guy that can log some minutes and stay at home. I don't think I'd like to project Alex Edler as a second-line pairing right now, Scott, but... It looks like the Edmonton Oilers are now looking for some more help on their blue line. They went and got Duncan Keith. I think they really thought that they were going to keep Adam Larson because they had given him, and the rumored report that he signed in Seattle for 4 by 4 and from all the people that out of Edmonton were talking about the fact that that was about the same price point that the Oilers had offered, but they had offered more term. So it makes you question, like, this guy, he could have stayed and played with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl for how many more years left in his career. He could have made that decision and hopefully built on that team. And he decides for personal reasons. Either one, he wants a fresh start or he just wanted out of Edmonton. And I think if he just wanted out of Edmonton, which some people are suggesting, I think you have to look internally if you're Ken Holland right now. Well, internally, apparently there are intensifying discussions with Tyson Berry all of a sudden. And do four years get it done? Five is it going to take that kind of term to keep Tyson Berry in Edmonton? That's speculation floated out there by Darren Dreger right now. Apparently the Oilers don't want to go to five years. Does a four-year deal get it done? We will wait and see in coming days. I, for, I forgot one, sorry. The Calgary Flames took four players. Scott and Frey, just Louis Domingue. 
the Baker, I forgot, was taken also. A former Vancouver Canuck taken by the Calgary Flames. So that was Markstrom, Tanev, Levo, and Louis Domingue. Thank you, Minor Matt. I thought you forgot about Josh Levo, actually. No, I remember that Louis one. Louis Domingue. Okay, well, it could have been either. One. I mean, there is this migration across to the other side of the Rockies. We're on both sides today, so both sides will hear the latest out of Seattle as well. Reaction from Andy Ide, who covers the Seattle Kraken for NHL.com. He joins us next, right here on Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. Are you doing instrumental karaoke now, too? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yep. Is this one from Nevermind? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was looking at uh, one of like the bands. Spirit. One of the bands, uh, Beastie Boys. One of the bands that I didn't appreciate back when they came out, and now appreciate them a lot more. Same with Nirvana. Not a big fan of them because it just wasn't my. I'm a young girl. I like the NSYNC, the Backstreet Boys. I still like them, I'm, but my music tastes have now evolved over the years, and I very much appreciate what Nirvana did and enjoyed listening to them now. Liked them then, like them now. I know they're not still going, but fabulous catalog of stuff from Nirvana. Nice musical selection by Greg Ballack back at Mission Control, along with Josh Elliott-Wolf, who I believe is in the same building with Greg today. The two of them helping us combine for a program that has been quite reactive today. You know, I had someone point out to me on Twitter earlier today with all the spoiler alerts, and we know virtually the entire list unless these insiders are wrong, which would be a hell of a plot twist here today, but these people who have put the tweets out there like Frank Saravelli and, yeah. and Chris Johnson and Elliot Friedman and and Salim in Calgary who got the Giordano tweet out there yes. first. Rick Dollywall had the Cole Lind information. These people are really well connected. So I'm pretty confident on the list as it is. But I had somebody who actually does a podcast or is starting to get into media tweet at me. I'm a little bit miffed. He said I was supposed to do a preview show today and <laughs> Now, how am I supposed to do that? And my my advice to him is the same advice that you and I had for each other prior to this show. We planned something, but sometimes life throws you a curveball, and you're going to have to react to the curveball. We don't often get as much spontaneity as we've gotten here today in the program. No. You just have to roll with it. You have to react. That's part of the business. Well, in our time slot, generally tends to be that time slot, Scott, where you don't get a lot of... Uh, breaking news stuff. It's either in the morning or in the afternoon, so I'm very happy that we get to react to it. Someone said, could some of this be deception so they can get a pick or something to, not to take a player? I think, honestly, and like you said, these guys are all tuned in, especially if they're agents, because all these players had to be told around 10 o'clock Eastern time when the list had to be in to the NHL's central registry, so it makes sense that these are all real. Like, I don't think there's any sort of deception here. The only one that has some deception is Steve Eiserman because we have no idea what the pick is going to be out of Detroit right now. We'll wait and find out. Either Bated way, breath. it's going to be Bated fun. Breath. Either way, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to the broadcast. I do want to see the pageantry involved. I want to see the unveiling. I want to see how Seattle rolls this out. And then just wait to what happens tomorrow and on Friday as far as trade activity goes. Andy Eide is all over it. He covers the Seattle Kraken for NHL.com. Excellent junior coverage as well by Andy over the last number of years. Been following for quite some time on Twitter. And he joins us today. Andy, thank you very much for doing this. How are you? My pleasure. Doing great. Uh, a little busy this morning, but uh, it's Ooh. all in good fun. <laughs> yes. Just from a general point of view, we don't have to get into a specific name here in the first question. From a general point of view, where are you at with what you've seen unveiled? We know virtually every selection thus far from the Seattle Kraken. 
Yeah, it's it's obvious that they've gone a little younger here to start. That, that was the big question: where they're going to go, getting some high high value uh, veterans, or, or go for a younger team that maybe you could sustain and build around. And it seems that, that they've got a pretty young team right now. It looks like the defense is maybe the strong point, uh, but we still don't know how many of these players are still going to be here after tonight or tomorrow. So, but right now it's looking like a young team. You're in Washington State, so I'd love to know what the temperature is there around Carey Price. It was much debated up here in Canada over the last few days. I'm not surprised they didn't take Carey Price simply because of the way this organization is built. What was the discussion? Where were fans at with regard to this in Washington State? Well, I think you had a mix. I think you had some fans who liked the idea of a guy who played his junior in State, three hours away from Seattle in Kennewick with the – Tri-City Americans, and they like that. And obviously, Carey Price is well-known, even amongst the, the most casual hockey fans. So I think the name recognition got a lot of attention here. Uh, some people kind of looked at the contract, the, the you know how long he still has left on that contract, his age, the potential for injury, and, and maybe it's like, maybe we shouldn't do that. So it was kind of a mixed bag here. Uh, the people who really wanted him were pretty passionate about it. Uh, you know, he would have been the face of the franchise. There would have been jersey sales and all that. That would have skyrocketed it. Maybe not the best idea for, for winning on the ice, but I think there was a lot of excitement about the possibility of seeing him here. You know, they, they quote-unquote in his home state, which isn't really his home state, but close to home. <laughs> Andy, you had mentioned, we just said to Carey Price right there, and you had mentioned earlier about the fact that uh, Ron Francis didn't really go after any of those high-priced um, players like a Vladimir Tarasenko or a Ryan Johansson mm-hmm. or a Matt Duchesne. Does just just emphasize the point of how much Ron Francis, at least right now, we don't know what's going to happen in the next coming days, but at least right now values that cap flexibility that he's continuing to say throughout this process? Yeah, I mean, he, he brought that up almost every pro, uh, every press conference he's had about not only cap flexibility, but, you know, the last one last Saturday he talked about how important cap space was. And and so, yeah, I, I think he stuck to that. You know, but he Francis likes to play it both ways, right, because in the same breath he'll say, you know, he has the green light to spend up to the cap and be a cap team. So uh, he, he you never really know what that means with him. You know, it's always, yes, we might or we won't. <laughs> but, uh it seems pretty obvious that that cap flexibility and that cap space is, is what he wants. Because I think if you add up all these salaries that we've seen so far, he's just barely over the minimum. So they've got room to move. Uh, you know, the free agency's coming up. We still don't know if they're going to bring on some salary uh, through trades that we're going to hear about in the next day or two. Uh, so there's still a lot of unknown, despite the fact that the roster has been leaked. Do you you think at all that Kraken, Ron Francis, a little peeved that some of this information got out there prior to the fact? Probably disappointed. You know, if you look at their history of the team, they, they've done such a good job of keeping secrets. You know, we didn't know. There were zero leaks about the name and, and the logo and all that uh, last July. Uh, there were even fewer leaks about uh, the head coach and, and Dave Haxall. No one saw that coming. Uh, I think they're probably a little disappointed. I think they wanted to have a big show tonight at Gaslight Park. I think it still will be a big show. But I do think it, it's stolen. A, this has stolen a little bit of their thunder. But there's no real way you know, agents are going to talk, players are going to talk to the insiders out there. Uh, you know, some of the stuff leaked in the Vegas expansion draft as well. So they shouldn't be surprised, especially with how much time there is between when their their, their list was due and, and the show tonight. So uh, there's still a lot to watch at that show, though, even though we know that the rosters, because, you know, I'm hoping we'll hear about some of these side deals and some trades that are happening. Andy I covers the Seattle Kraken for NHL.com. He joins us today on Rintoul and Sermon. To this point, with what we've been Led to believe from insiders, what is the most significant or eye-catching move that you've seen from the Seattle Kraken? You know, I, I look at uh, what they did in Carolina. Um, going into it, I, I really thought Jake Bean was going to be pick the young defenseman who who was a 
first-round pick of Ron Francis uh, when he was the GM of the Carolina Hurricanes. And, and we know Ron Francis, I think, in three of his four drafts that he had when he was there, that he took defensemen. He likes having defensemen. He's got a nice collection now. But then to come and see that it'd be, it be Morgan Geeky, a forward, and not being, and then not even more, even uh, Nino Niederreiter, who was also there as a more veteran player, a scorer. I'm a little surprised. I'm curious to see if there's something that came along with that, if Carolina offered something to stay away from Bean or Niederreiter. Those are two big pieces. Niederreiter was a big piece offensively. You saw what happened when he got hurt in the playoffs. They, they kind of fell off a little bit. And Jake Bean is kind of their up-and-coming defenseman. So I'm wondering if the idea of selecting Morgan Geeky came came with something, a draft pick or something uh, from Carolina. So I'm really intrigued to see that because uh, that was a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, that is one of the ones that screams. Take a look further on this. Which other yeah. moves of those that are out there have that beside them, that asterisk where you're saying, okay, I want to know more. Tell me what happened yeah. here. Uh, I, I look at the New York Islanders. I really thought Josh Bailey was going to be their pick. Um, and, and there was some talk that, the Islanders didn't want to lose Bailey and that there was maybe some conversation going there. Not that Everly's a, a bad player or a bad pick, but everything was pointing at them taking Bailey. So I'm really curious to see if that's another place where Seattle is going to get something extra out of the Islanders, some sort of compensation and, and potentially a draft pick of some sort. Probably not a first, but I, I could see a second or third or something like that coming Seattle's way. I think Francis does want to collect draft picks. He talks a lot about getting, you know, how many darts you get at the board for the, the amateur draft. So I'm curious to see if he'll be able to do that. And I just wonder how much he's going to, if somehow a higher priced veteran's coming in one of these trades. What about the Philadelphia selection? A lot of people thought it was going to yes. be James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah, that's another one, right? That one kind of came out of nowhere. Um, that one, you know, I'm curious because you would think Philadelphia would want to give up one of those contracts, either Van Riemsdyk or, or Voracek, right? Those are the two names we were hearing about. Those are two pricey veterans. Uh, so I, I wonder. It's hard to imagine that that Philadelphia would say no. We we want we don't want to lose uh, Torinsky, so we're going to give you something for for that. So that might just be they like him. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that one. There could be more there, um, but it's shocking that it wasn't Van Riemsdyk uh, or Voracek there. I don't know if this is shocking, but and maybe this is what was expected from the Tampa Bay Lightning's list, but they do go the Yanni Gord route instead of Andre Pallad mm-hmm. or Alex Kalorn. Did that surprise you at all? Or it's a center, and he had a great uh, he had a great Stanley Cup, and that's a highly coveted guy that Ron Francis would see on that list. Yeah, it would be hard to pass up uh, a Gord if you're Seattle. Yeah. But what surprises me is that's all they're getting. You know, Tampa Bay obviously mm-hmm. has uh, salary cap issues. I really thought that somehow they would work a deal with Tyler Johnson in there. Like, you know, we'll take Tyler Johnson off your hand and his salary. They've, they've been trying to get rid of that salary in Tampa. You know, we'll, we'll give you Tyler Johnson, who's from Spokane, who's from the state. And then on, and on top of that, you know, for you taking him, we'll throw you. We'll, we'll give you your pick of somebody else. So it's just a, if, if that's the deal just straight up, I'm surprised they didn't get more out of uh, Tampa. Doesn't it feel like some of these situations set up two for one? Maybe Tampa Bay where they do mm-hmm. need to shed some salary. Hey, we're taking Yanni Gord, and then after this is done, maybe we strike a different deal. Maybe it's the same in St. Louis, depending how motivated the Blues have to be to get out from the Vladimir Tarasenko contract, whether it's even just as a holding company for that asset. Don't some, doesn't some of this smell of that to you? Yeah, a lot of it does, and, and you just mentioned two great ones. And I, you know, I have a hard time thinking they'll go into the season with this young of a, of a roster for their first year. Uh, so I think there could be a veteran coming. Uh, Tarasenko was one that I thought they for sure they were going to take. I, I, I was a little surprised. Vince Dunn's a good young player, though, so it's not the worst thing in the world. But I really thought that they were going to draft him and maybe flip him right away 
or maybe hold on and do them until the trading deadline. But that that was a, a head scratcher, and maybe there is some deal that we're just not we haven't heard yet there. The first two deals or first two leaks that came out this morning were the fact that uh, the Kraken had come to terms with Adam Larson, UFA from Edmonton. 4x4 has reported that deal, and reportedly he was offered the same deal in Edmonton maybe a little bit longer term, but he chose a change of scenery and wanted to go to Seattle. Jamie Alexiak, they've got a deal with him. We just don't know the terms for that. We had talked to a couple of agents, Andy, uh, leading up to this expansion draft, saying Seattle is a destination, and UFAs want to go there, and whether that's because of what happened in Vegas or just the city itself. Is that something that you've been hearing? You live in the area? Like, UFAs, they want to come to the Seattle franchise? Yeah, you know, that that's always been the big question mark here, right? How excited are people to come to an expansion team? And the, Seattle's got some things going for it that I think would make it uh, attractive. One, is the city, it's a great city, a great place to live, and if you like outdoors, there's obviously plenty of opportunities to do outdoor stuff. I mean, you guys know, it's, it's very similar to Vancouver. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then also if, if there are Canadians or people from Vancouver, that would also be, you know, a chance to play pretty close to home. I think another big factor here is that Washington State does not have a salary uh, salary tax. So you're going to make a little bit more bang for your buck if you play here as opposed to some states where you're going to get double tax. So that also is a thing. I think the, the, the staff that Seattle put together is attractive. People have respect for Ron Francis. Uh, there's a lot of excitement here. Uh, and, and I think they're, you know, we, whenever they've hired somebody, you know, in the front office and you talk to them, one of the first things they talk about is, man, an opportunity to be part of something from the ground floor is really attractive so that there may be some players who feel that too like you mentioned what, what happened in vegas they've seen that this isn't you know your father's expansion process where you're going to be terrible for three or four years at least uh you know we were just taking scraps off other teams so i think all that goes into making this an attractive place uh i'm curious to see what those guys have to say about what drew them to doing that uh you know those are two good pickups for seattle though i i, I personally I really like alexiak as a player and and lars is a steady defenseman too so those, those guys are probably going to anchor down their blue line where is the, the Kraken rank in the Seattle sports scene? You know, we've got the Mariners. You got the Mariners, sorry, playing right now. You got the Seahawks <laughs> getting camped underway. You, not to mention the Sounders, a very successful WNBA franchise, college football. The Huskies starting up. Like, where do you see the Kraken ranking in there? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the, the buzz about the team has been, you know, at, at a peak uh, ever since they they announced. Really, since they announced the the name was when it really blew up. People get really got into into it. And you, you see T-shirts, you see hats, you see fake jerseys from China all over town. Uh, you know, they haven't put their actual jerseys on sale yet, but there's been a, a, an inkling or a, a cry for that uh, amongst the fan base. People are really excited. Uh, that being said, this is always going to be a Seahawk and NFL city first. Like they're, they're, they're probably even, even in a down year for the Seahawks, they're still going to be the number one draw uh, or, or the number one talked about thing. You know, I think the Kraken will have a chance to, to work themselves into that conversation a little bit, especially since right now we don't have a winter sport. There's no professional winter sport here. Uh, the Sounders are popular, uh, but I don't think they're, they're they're not as major of a sport as the NHL. I think once once fans get get their eyes on that, uh, they're going to fall in love with with the sport in the league if they haven't already. Um, the Mariners, you know, it's summer sport, so it's a little bit opposite time, um, and they've been bad for so long that you know they're not necessarily the number one team anymore here. So yeah, I think I think they have a chance to get under that Seahawk pecking order. You know, have them be like maybe second. I I think there are hockey fans here who know the sport. Uh, I think there's a lot more, though, that don't and are going to learn pretty quick how great it is.
Andy, I joining us for a few more minutes on Rintoul and Sermon. I want to get back to some of the actual selections. You mentioned the jersey sales. I'm sure they'd love to see names on the back of those jerseys. They might have to wait in Seattle for that because we don't know of the players selected how many are actually going to remain there. Mark Giordano. A lot of people say there's your first captain, former Norris Trophy winner, the leadership, and he can still play. Do you think he is long for Seattle because he will be coveted given that he only has one year left on his deal? Well, personally, I'd like it. I think that's a great pick and a great way to start. But we are hearing reports already that there's deals in place, maybe one with the Rangers. We don't know what necessarily would be coming back to Seattle. But you're right. That that salary is very attractive to a contending team. And, you know, they, they could either move them right away or they hold on to them to see where they're at come come the, the, the deadline. And, you know, if they if the Seattle's in contention, they keep them. If not, they can move them pretty easily with that with that easy salary. So, I would hold off maybe on buying a Giordano jersey if I was a Seattle fan, maybe wait for a little bit longer and maybe even wait until the trade deadline next year and see before you go out and spend that money. We mentioned Carey Price. He's not going to be there. They've got Chris Dreger, Vitek Vanacek, and Joey Decord. Is that good enough in goal? Are there subsequent moves to come in your opinion? I I, I sense there's something else happening, whether it's in free agency or, or, or a deal. Those, those guys are all promising young goaltenders, but none of them really have a track record where they've been the number one guy for a full NHL season. You know, Drieger, Drieger probably came the closest. But, you know, if you look at Ron Francis' history, everybody remembers the, 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 the Darling incident, right, where he was a backup or a 1B who had a good year, and Francis went out and got him, and then he never was the same. You know, you, you, you don't know if he's gun-shy about that, but some of these guys could turn into that, but some of them could be great. Uh, there's just a lot of unknowns, which makes you think that they could be still in the market for a veteran. I really thought they were going to go up to Vancouver and get Holpe. I was surprised to see that he wasn't the pick, uh, just because I thought that would be a steady guy who you know maybe passed his prime or his best years. But if you paired him with a Drieger, a Drieger maybe then you have a, a decent pairing of a veteran and a younger guy. Uh, you know, so that's, I will be surprised if these are the three goaltenders they go into the season with. It's just a lot of unknown, a lot of youth, and just inexperience. Well, you mentioned Scott Darling. He traded for Eddie Lack in Carolina as well, yep. and that certainly didn't work out. They haven't named a goaltending coach yet in Seattle, unless I am mistaken. I wonder how much of that depends on which goalies are ultimately under the umbrella. Yeah, it could be. They do have uh, Andrew Allen is in their pro scouting department, and he has been an NHL uh, goaltending coach in the past. Uh, he spent some time with Buffalo, which which had me kind of eyeing uh, Linus Allmark out of Buffalo, but they protected him. Doesn't mean that Seattle can't still go after him in the in the under or the uh, UFA period, the free agency period, if Buffalo can't sign him here in the next couple of weeks. So that's a name that I still have kind of in the back of my mind, just because he does have a connection. And from what I understand, Andrew Allen and, and Omar had a good relationship when he was in Buffalo. I don't know if they plan on moving Allen into that goaltender and coach position or not, but he does have a lot of experience doing that. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, they've hired two assistant coaches. Um, but they haven't gotten that far down into into the goaltending coach, as you said. Andy, great stuff, and there's so much more to come because the way Ron Francis has set the table here, Seattle has the ability to be very active in the short term and in the you know weeks to come as well, especially going into free agency. Thank you very much for your time today, and I look forward to reconnecting in the future. Hey, my pleasure. It's always fun talking hockey. Absolutely. Thanks, that is Andy Eide. You can follow him on Twitter like I do. You can find him. At Andy Eide, I believe. Yes, A-N-D-Y-E-I-D-E. That's how you spell his last name. He's been covering junior hockey in 
in the state and been a wealth of information there. You've heard him on WHL broadcast if you're a Western Hockey League consumer as well, and now he's taken his his gig to the show as well. There is some goaltending news today. Mike Smith, as you mentioned earlier, Karen, he gets a two-by-two reportedly to go back to the Edmonton Oilers. Sounds like Martin Jones has played his last game as a member of the San Jose Sharks, so expect a buyout coming there. They acquired Aiden Hill. I can't imagine anyone trading for Martin Jones' contract. They buy him out. It'll save them $5 million over the six years that they'll pay him out. The worst cap hit they'll get in any of those six years is 2.9 in year number three. So Martin Jones, likely on the market as a veteran goaltender who you might be able to get at a low number and bring him in as some sort of insulation if you think he can still get the job done in a tandem. What is your sense on Braden Holtby, Scott? Because Andy had said he's very surprised that he didn't go to Seattle. We do know a report from Ian McIntyre saying that Seattle was obviously interested in Braden Holtby, but it was going to take a sweetener or salary retention. Like, what do you think is the ultimate end goal with him? Do you think he's the Vancouver Canuck to start this season if you were to put, like, speculation on it? It's hard to know how much of it was subterfuge and how much of it was real. It feels like there was enough real interest out there based on some of the reports. Now, as Elliot Friedman said yesterday on multiple stations, hey, Isaiah Thomas told him a long time ago, anytime you get close to transaction time or draft time, everybody lies. So maybe that's just a story that's been put out there. But there seemed to be a little bit of meat on the bone. So if there are teams out there thinking, you know what, one-year veteran goaltender, We could certainly use that in our goaltending situation. I can see a deal going down. The biggest question with Vancouver and Holtby, if they're going to move them, are they going to have to retain salary? Yeah, and I was wondering too, like, okay, well, you're not going to retain salary for the Seattle Kraken who have a carte blanche with their salary cap. They're in your division. Maybe there's another team out east. They're going to ask for less salary attention, Scott, and you can maybe swallow that $1 million of the contract, Brain Holtby at 3.5, you know, whatever the case may be. But maybe it's a deal where Jim Benning just not willing to give assets to an expansion franchise to help them out as they start out. It could be something just as simple as that. Doesn't seem like most teams around the National Hockey League were willing to pay to stay away. That's what it sounds like, whether that's with salary retention, Karen, or whether that's with draft picks. The numbers we saw last time around Vegas, so much loftier than what's happened this time with Seattle players as well. Doesn't seem like there's any of those big deals in place. But as I just mentioned, Seattle, because of Cavs' flexibility and because they've loaded up at certain positions with attractive players, like they have the ability to be really active here in the next couple of days Next week in free agency as well, Seattle is going to be fun. They were an obvious identifier on the teams that will define the offseason list that we put together in the last couple of weeks. And, man, they might even be more active than I anticipated, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Like This is just the tip of the iceberg to what we're going to see over the next couple of days. Uh, what time again is the trade freeze tomorrow? I believe it's do you know 1 p.m. Eastern, if I'm not okay. mistaken. So that'll good. It'll come down during our show. Hopefully we'll have a flurry yep. of things starting an hour into our show, if not speculated prior to that. And then of course it's the entry draft on Friday. We all know how much fun and deals that get made around that entry draft. It just strikes me as something like Seattle is just setting themselves up to do so much more after the fact, I think, than we actually thought, Scott. Like I thought there would maybe be more deals within the day that still could come down and we could find out at the 
the draft party tonight that they're going to have, the draft expansion draft party from Seattle. So it could be something to tune into because we could find out some of those. But I'm actually surprised to hear there's not more side deals. Maybe those are just not getting leaked right now. Just the only thing that teams and players and agents are leaking is just the actual player going to Seattle. And maybe those players don't even know that they might be on the move. Maybe those agents have no idea or it would have been leaked. Anything that breaks, we will get it to you in the final hour of the program. There's a bunch of stuff we haven't had a chance to get to. We'll fit that in as well. Your continued reaction to this list that is almost complete, according to NHL insiders, as to what Seattle has selected today in the expansion draft, which will ultimately be revealed a little bit later on today. You've got it with Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. Heavy on the D, low on the dollars. That's how we'd characterize what we've learned so far today about Seattle's roster that's at least initially selecting in the expansion draft. Isn't that right? <laughs> I love this uh, hashtag that comes in. Everyone lies. But the previous text was, Scott, is there any chance that all these expansion lists put out right now are totally bogus by Ron Francis and he has the real list? That'd be the biggest coup in the histories of coups, I think. And the fact that he does a bait and switch. Could you imagine a bait and switch? Macklemore comes out 5.05 Pacific time in Seattle and says, and the Seattle Kraken are in fact taking Carey Price from the Montreal Canadiens. Could you imagine that? It'd be awesome. I can't imagine this many insiders that getting that burned that many times. Can you? I can't, but I just think it'd be hilarious. Like Ron Francis has been so tight-lipped. He's like, no. No, I'm going to leak you out the wrong ones. And these guys apparently didn't check with their agents, but I'm going to get leak you the wrong list. And this is uh, the teams that we're actually taking. I don't think it's going to happen. I just think it'd be absolutely incredible if for some reason Ron Francis managed to pull this all off. We'd be talking about it for years. We'd be talking about it for yeah. years. And we're going to talk about the expansion draft, the Seattle Kraken for years anyway, how they've built their team, the deals that come subsequently as well, because they've really set themselves up here, Karen, to be major players over the course of the next what, 10 days, eight, nine days? Free agency opens At least, next yep. Thursday. Or pardon me, next Wednesday is when Wednesday, free agency opens. Week today. So, yeah, I, my date's wrong here on, on Wednesday, July 21st. You got free agency a week from now. Back it up to tomorrow. That's when the trade freeze comes off and the roster freeze comes off. Now, all of a sudden, some of these transactions can go down, whether they're to do with players that were selected and subsequently be moved on, or if we see what the side deals ultimately were, to get teams a little more protection on their lists. Ultimately, they paid a price that Ron Francis was asking for. The NHL entry draft happens in two days. We know that that is generally a cauldron of activity because of the draft picks that can be exchanged. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I was looking at Nashville because we did see, Scott, we, there's some teams that we think that there's probably going to be some other side deals. Philly being one of them. Tampa maybe being one of them. Carolina being another one, the fact that Jake Bean was not selected, but Morgan Gecki, and I'm not going to try and say the Philadelphia guy's last name, but if you would like to, Scott, you could try Carson something. Anyways, Torinsky, it's not yeah. it's not James Van Rienspike, it's not Jakob Voracek, so maybe there's some more picks that are heading towards uh, Ron Francis, but Nashville's interesting because we already saw the fact that they've traded Ryan Ellis. Nolan Patrick's going to Vegas. They're getting Cody Glass. So they're getting a player that really couldn't succeed in a Vegas organization. Like, he was given some opportunities to center a line with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty at some points this season. Obviously didn't work within what Pete DeBoer wanted to do. Does he go to Nashville where offense tends to go to die? Or does he succeed and become the player that we all hope that Cody Glass can be, being a high first-round draft pick? But he did leave... Uh, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne off his list. I wonder if 
he still wants one of those to be taken and there's something that he does because it looks like he's in sell mode right now if you're the National Predators. The question about players like Johansson and Duchesne has been, are you willing to retain some money to get them off your books? Or are you willing to exchange an underperforming player at a high number for another underperforming player at a high number? That's likely the only way one of these deals gets done. Now, what Seattle has done by taking the roster we've been led to believe that they're taking here today, the only pick we don't know is the Detroit Red Wings, and we guess that it's going to be Troy Stetcher, but I guess we'll wait and find out either this afternoon or actually at the at the draft when we watch it at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 6 o'clock Mountain time later on today. They got a lot of cap flexibility still. So you still have the ability if you want. So if you want Kelly Yarncroft, which they're going to do in Seattle, they're going to take him off Nashville's roster, and you now say, all right, we'll take Ryan Johansson off your hands or Matt Duchesne yeah. off your hands, but it's going to cost you. We have other options here. We don't have to deal with you. What's it worth to you, David Poyle? What's it worth to you? What are you going to give us? Are you going to give us your first-round pick this year or a subsequent first-round pick? Are you going to eat some of that money and we'll take on the bulk of the contract and the player? Mm -hmm. What is it worth to you? And that is how Seattle has positioned itself extremely well right now with the assets that it's bringing in. They're heavy on defense. We know how coveted defensemen are around the National Hockey League right now. They're going to be able to get something back for some of those players. Mm -hmm. We just talked to Andy Ide. Is there a subsequent goaltending move to come? Because they're short on experience in net. and something that Vegas didn't have to deal with when they went out and got Marc-Andre Fleury. We had a text earlier in the program, 960-960 or 650-650, if you want in on this. We had a text earlier in the program saying, you know, I'm not that impressed. There's no star power here. Vegas had Marc-Andre Fleury. A little bit of revisionist history. When Marc-Andre Fleury went to Vegas, Marc-Andre Fleury was viewed by many in the hockey world as a marketing ploy. Marketing ploy. Pittsburgh paid Vegas to take him. Mm-hmm. they just come up back-to-back cups where Matt Murray was the guy in the crease by the end of those playoffs in, in both of those runs, hoisting the Stanley Cup, and they went, as much as we love you here, Flower, we got to go with the younger dude here. He just got us back-to-back cup wins, and he's cheaper. Marc-Andre Fleury was viewed as a marketing tool and uh, an experienced goaltender that might be able to steal them some games, but he wasn't the star power necessarily that he's regained. I mean, he was star power earlier in his career. He's a well-known commodity. I mean, you can argue that with what we've seen today, a Mark Giordano, okay, he's not this personality in the same sense that Marc-Andre Fleury is, but he's also not far removed from winning himself a Norris Trophy. And they're bringing him in. They've got a little... I mean, you look down the list that Vegas selected. It's not as though people went, man, look at the names and names. Nobody said that at all back in the Vegas days. Some of those became names. Some of those were players you kind of liked. But it's not as though they brought in a whole lot of of name value. No, and Marc-Andre Fleury was the... Two-time Stanley Cup champion, and, you know, he was expendable for Pittsburgh, and they wanted him gone. They wanted to keep Matt Murray, but because he was so affable, like, because he was so smiled all the time, Scott, like, he's an exceptional personality to market your team around, and so that's why they brought him in. But I do look at the Seattle roster so far, and there's no quote-unquote sexy picks when it comes to marketing like you could look at this and say okay who's just of these players who could be the face of the franchise and really there's not that many I mean there's really good players 
And yes, if Mark Giordano, you keep him and he's your captain, you could market him as your first captain, but there's no real like stars on this team. So I understand where that texture is coming from. That leads me to believe if there is a deal to be a splash deal to be made, Scott, like a Jack Eichel, is there a number one pick coming back that they can package to Buffalo for a Jack Eichel and a bigger pick? Or do they somehow circle back to Gabriel Landeskog? Not as, I understand, big flashy as Jack Eichel, but still a pretty big name and pretty sought after free agent that you could definitely say is the face of our franchise moving forward. Vladimir Tarasenko, not as much, but still it's a super, well, a star in the league, previously a star in the league. So that's what makes me wonder that Seattle does have some other stuffs in the hopper just waiting to happen with Jack Eichel. I'd ask this of Kevin Weeks about the second overall pick. I do think there is something to be said to making that pick. Like, you get up there and you say, Seattle Kraken, with the second overall pick, the first pick in our franchise's history, we are selecting, quote-unquote, whoever that is. And I think there is something that you want to make a splash with that and have that pick. But I do like the fact that there could be, say, a number one pick coming back um, in, in another transaction that they could use to package to try and get a Jack Eichel out of Buffalo because he's going to take a number one pick at least yeah it would take a number one pick and how interested is Buffalo in anything you've got we had that text come in in my opinion says this texter Eichel will be a Seattle Kraken by Friday they'll trade the second overall plus whatever assets they can gather for the Sabres that remains a possibility sure that's a possibility they could be players in this does Eichel want to go there? Does he immediately want to be the base of the franchise? You know what clip we always play on sports radio? I think you're going to want to hear this. We play it all the time. The New Jersey Devils, trading of top 10 mm-hmm. pick. Bo Horvat was the guy that Vancouver ended up selected in the Corey Schneider deal. It's not unprecedented. Yeah, that's something that could happen. And Buffalo takes the top two players in the draft, likely to be University of Michigan products and Owen Power and Matthew Beneers. Could go that way. Yeah, I could say that's plausible to me with what Seattle has done here today. Sean from Waterloo, I like how all the media are still hinting at people watching the expansion draft tonight. I know you guys are a Sportsnet station, but let's be real. All these leaks have freed up everyone's evening. We've asked that question aloud, Sean. I've told you what I'm going to do. Karen's told you what she's going to do. You can vote with your remote. I tell you this all the time. You're not obligated to watch anything. For me, there's still enough interest, and that's not because it's on Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. I'm just there to see the show. <laughs> I'm there to see the show. This doesn't completely ruin it for me. For you, Sean, maybe so. Not for me. I'm sure ESPN, Sportsnet, NHL Network, Gary Bettman are pretty peeved to a point at the fact that, yeah, these were supposed picks were supposed to come out at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern, and they're not going to. But to me, there still is some intrigue. I want to see the interviews with the players. I want to see Seattle make the picks. I want to see the pomp and circumstance around it. I want to see the musical acts. We all know I've made a point of saying how excited I am to see Macklemore perform, even if Jamie Dodd is not. There's a lot of reasons for me to tune in, plus the side deals. I, I You got to figure that they're all going to be announced tonight, too. That's intriguing. And hey, if you don't want to watch that, Canada's playing U.S. women's softball. It's back in the Olympics for the first time in 16 years. Go watch that. That is on TV. It's a chance for you to watch that. Like, there are other stuff that if you don't want to watch, I'll point you towards Team Canada. They're, they're, the Olympics is underway from Tokyo. I'll tell you this. If people tuned in to some live sports last night, they got a great show. They got a 50-point performance from Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is now an NBA champion and one of only three players in NBA history, a list that includes Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon to win Defensive Player of the Year. MVP and MVP of the finals. He has now done that. He's only 26 years old. 
Karen, it's a fantastic story. It really is. And I know the Bucks didn't have the sizzle. We talked about it, but they had the substance. They were the stake, and they brought it once again. This was a great playoff run for the Milwaukee Bucks, and one that if you paid attention to it along the way, and yeah, I was the one saying this this final doesn't have the cachet, but maybe it's got mm-hmm. a little more. It brought the more. If you paid attention to the Milwaukee Bucks along the way, this is a great story. From the fact that you go into this postseason, you're the third seed, you take on the Miami Heat. They had been in the NBA Finals the year before. Could they push Miami? Would there, or sorry, push Milwaukee? Would there be more heartbreak in the city? Would Mike Budenholz would be out. That was the whole rumor. If they don't make a run, he's gone. Like, he is done. He had one year left on his deal. Now the conversation becomes, Scott, does he get a long-term contract extension, or at least a contract extension this summer? Is that the first order of business? The fact that Giannis stayed there, he put the faith in the organization. They made the trade for Drew Holiday, upgraded on Beasley with that trade with the Pelicans. But, you know, up and down season for Drew. Could he come on when it mattered? And he did in these NBA Finals. Chris Middleton. At times, was not there, but the times when they needed him, he was there on this team. He gave Giannis another secondary threat in scoring. P.J. Tucker they brought in at the trade deadline to help with defense. Uh, Bobby Portis, he was really big yesterday. Uh, shirts of his face have been circling around already in Milwaukee. He's a very um, popular player within that organization, but it does all come back to Giannis. I mean, I was thinking about this, and it was going to take too big of a deep dive for me to do, Scott, but like, is this one of, if not the most iconic performances in a championship clinching game. I'm sure there's some out there that I can find, but 50 points, 13 rebounds, five blocks. And he said, he stood at line and said, oh yeah, I can't shoot free throws. Follow me. And he was 17 of 19. Like he just answered every question that we had about him. Yeah, it probably depends on your definition of iconic from a pure number standpoint. Absolutely. He scored half of his team's points last night. Like, the guy was incredible. It didn't have that moment. He had those moments earlier in the series. And there's nice dunks from last night. There's nice hoops. Block. Sure. I'm not. It didn't have it in this game, is what I'm saying, Karen. You said it was yes, last okay. night's clinching game iconic. It doesn't have it in last night's game. I agree with you on the block, but I actually don't think it's the block. I think it's the alley oop that will end up going down as his defining play in this series because it includes an incredible defensive play from his teammate Drew Holiday and then the finish by Giannis on the other end. So you get all of it wrapped into one package, even though he's not the player doing it. I think that becomes the most iconic moment. It's a question we asked the other day, but it's debatable because I guess your further point here is that he had a great series and there are multiple moments you can look at. There are. It just He just cemented himself in superstar status is he now the best player in the NBA is it just recency bias to say that you still got LeBron James you still have Kevin Durant can we forget about those but now the conversation because is Giannis in that same cachet as them because he's got the two MVPs Scott he's got a defensive player of the year he's been captain of the all-star game against LeBron James but he hadn't had a sniff of that title until this season does the conversation now grow to his who is the best player in the NBA It's a fair question to ask on substance. He won't have the sizzle of some of those other players, and part of it has to do with his personality, which should be celebrated more. We're going to hear from him in just one second. I did see this tweeted last night. It's hard to argue with this. At Hoops Hype tweeted this. Mount Rushmore of international players right now. Hakeem Olajuwon, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash. And went on to say... Mm. Jokic and Doncic may have something to say about this in a few years, but that is currently the Mount Rushmore of international players. Pretty tough to argue with that. (laughs) 
Dirk Nowitzki, one title. Steve Nash, unfortunately, no titles, but a couple of MVPs. Who was the third one on that list, Scott? You said Hakeem Elijah won. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> You're going to put Hakeem Elijah won on that list. It, it's a, Truly, it's an international game. And yes, we understand that Canada has the second amount of NBA players uh, as per country to the United States, but it's growing and the talent can be found in incredible places. And I want to hear from Giannis because I want to go back and after we hear this clip from him because I want to do a, cre- a just a brief of where he started and where he came to and his humble beginnings, I think just leads more to why you just gravitate to him right now. Well, to quote Drake, he started at the bottom, now he's here. Have a listen to Giannis after the game, detailing just one aspect of his incredible story. I hope I give people around the world, from Africa, from Europe, give them hope, you know, that it can be done. It can be done. Eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, before I came to the league, I didn't know where my next move would come from. You know, my mom was selling stuff in the street. You, like... And now I'm here sitting the top of the top, you know, and, I, and, and I'm extremely blessed. And that's why I cannot, I can never get, I'm extremely blessed. If I, if I never have a chance to sit on this table ever again, I'm fine with it. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it. But like, I hope this can give everybody around the world hope and allow them to believe in their dreams. He went on to say, like, because of where I've come from and what I've done, like, if I never sit here again, that'll be okay because I've seen the bottom, which he was referring to there. This is a family that immigrated from Africa, from Nigeria, and was denied citizenship in Greece and only got citizenship in Greece once he became an NBA player, and all of a sudden they were Greek citizens. So he has seen this. He's seen the entire spectrum of it. His family is so important to him, Karen. It's an incredible story. And because they were immigrants, Scott, and because they couldn't qualify for government assistance, because they weren't um, actual residents of Greece, like his parents couldn't get work. So what did his brothers and him have to do? They had to go to the streets and sell watches and CDs on the streets of Athens. They were finally um, one of the recruiters, shall we call Coach Spiros Vanitas? I believe I'm talking, I'm saying that correctly. He found Giannis, and he was. This is what he would do. He would go to kind of the streets and see kids playing sports and see if they had the athletic qualities to play basketball. He had to convince Giannis, who loves soccer, like they played soccer growing up, had to convince him to switch to basketball. He switched to basketball. At one point, him and his brothers had to share shoes when playing they had to switch shoes on the court because that's how humble beginning that he came from and then finally 2013 Milwaukee Bucks they draft him and you could say the rest is history but also too like in the first few years he would take a hundred and ninety dollar salary from his contract and just keep that for himself and send the rest of it back to Greece via Western Union Scott, so his parents could have the rest of his salary. I mean, he is just such a family man. He's so humble. He's so gracious. Just everything about him. Like, there's nothing that you can't like about him. Just knowing the backstory, but just knowing how still, even when he's made it in the NBA, he still tries to make a difference. Imagine taking up a sport in 2008 and 13 years later having won two NBA MVPs, a Defensive Player of the Year, MVP finals, you're a champion, you've got multi-millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. He took the Mm -hmm. sport up in 2008. We talk about this all the time, about, you know, diversity of sport and pressuring kids to play things. There are certain athletes in this world, the sport will find them. It found Giannis. It's an incredible story. 
It is a story that should be celebrated. There have been some good ones along the way. I think Monty Williams is an underrated one. There was so yeah. much focus on Chris Paul. There was a lot of focus on Devin Booker. We had some time. We didn't make enough of it. We had some time for Monty Williams along the way because there were some really mm-hmm. great moments of Monty Williams with his team, with DeAndre Ayton that caught people's attention. How about last night? After this heartbreaking loss, his team's up 2 nothing in the finals. They then see four straight games get away, and Milwaukee celebrates. They're going crazy. He finds a way to get over into Milwaukee's locker room after the game and say this to the Bucks in their locker room while they're celebrating a championship. I just wanted to come and congratulate you guys as a man and a coach. Um, you guys deserve it. And um, I'm, I'm thankful for the experience. You guys made me a better coach. You made us a better team. Congratulations. That's not trying to coattail. That's not trying to put himself into their story. That is genuine. I learned a lot more about Monty Williams in this journey. You talk about how Giannis, impossible not to like. I find yeah. from what I've seen, Monty Williams, impossible not to like. It's pure class that shows from Monty Williams. The fact that he was willing to do this in probably one of the toughest moments of his career, uh, if not the toughest moments of his career, just losing on that court and seeing the celebrations. But you go and point out how impressive a feat it was for Milwaukee and the fact that this is going to make your team better down the stretch. Like I look at everything that Monty Williams does on the court and off the court. And to me, it's like, it's only a matter of time before he's going to lift this Larry O'Brien trophy. And maybe he won't in his career, but I do think he's on the right path for that. The players love him. Absolutely love him in Phoenix. You've seen what he's built there. The young players. Does Chris Paul come back because of Monty Williams? We, we know that they have a relationship as well. I just think he's... We've just seen two of the class acts of the NBA in the NBA Finals. One in Monty Williams and one in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it's hard to feel really good... Not to feel heart, really good for one of them and feel really kind of heartbroken for the other one. Text comes in. We were talking about that Mount Rushmore. Someone said, don't overlook Yao. Yao was a star, no question about it. I don't think you can argue he was as accomplished as the four players that Hoops Hype in that tweet put on that list. And a lot of that has to do with injury and his career being cut short, Karen. I mean, from a celebrity standpoint, you could put him there as far as what he did for basketball globally. But as far Mm -hmm. as an accomplishment standpoint in the NBA, it's tough to make that case for Yao Ming over the four players that were listed in Elijah Wan, Giannis, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, you've got three players who have won NBA titles now, and you've got one who's won two MVPs and arguably could be in the conversation for top point guards ever in the NBA. Yao Ming put a nation's eyes on the NBA. 1.8 billion people, I think, at the time. Like, the NBA was able to make as much headway as it has been because of Yao Ming in China, and that's obviously a market that they wanted to try and encapsulate, so I understand why you would put that there, but just when it comes to actual awards, success on the court, Yao Ming's just not quite there. That international Mount Rushmore is seriously overlooking someone, namely Manu Ginobili. Excellent player, was never the best player on his team. Like, a great player, but never the greatest player on his team the same way those other four guys are. If you put Manu on it, great player again. Who are you taking off? There's only four, Mount Rushmore has four spots. So, yeah, you can argue that others could be on it, but honestly, I don't know if you can make an argument for the ones that are already there, or at least that guy named in the Mount Rushmore. You're arguing team success over individual success because the guy that you'd probably replace if you're putting Ginobili on is Steve Nash, who didn't have the same type of team success but had more individual accomplishments than Manu Ginobili. Well, we're not taking him off, Scott. We're not taking him off. Not on my watch, we're not.
Not on my watch, we're not. Like if we were doing the Mount Rushmore of Olympic athletes or most influential athletes in this country, the one that Tim McAuliffe named the other day that he won me over even more as a fan because I had the same feeling. And I'll tell you who that is next right here on Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. Side deals. What kind of side deals are out there? Do we find them out throughout the course of the day? Do we get any revealed on tonight's broadcast? Do we have to wait until tomorrow? It's a big question being asked right now. Ian Furness, who covers the Kraken and all sports down in Seattle, said that he's talked to a number of NHL sources, Karen, that says they all keep telling the same thing. You look at this list, there's got to be a bunch of side deals involved. What do those side deals look like? Sounds like there's more compensation coming the Kraken's way throughout the course of either today or once it's made official tomorrow. Well, I'd just like to point out, I guess I didn't make enough of a side deal with Greg and he didn't get the hints of the one song that I wanted to hear today, but that is okay. Ten, de- ten deals Vegas made on day one, Scott. Ten deals, side deals, two first-round picks. Then they made five trades the next day, four defensemen and one goaltender. And when you do look at the Seattle list, you do look at it, you think it's, I mean, it's a good team. And they're doing well on the defensive side. But you're like, okay, it's a little underwhelming in terms of sizzle. Like, where are the goals going to come from? And that's been pointed out from numerous uh, listeners texting into the inbox. 650, 650, 960, Also, the fact that right now $5 million is only allocated in total to three goaltenders on this team. Not really any veteran presence to go with a Chris Drieger or a Vitek Vanacek. So you do have to think that there is something coming down the pipes from Ron Francis. It would be interesting to know if it does exceed the 10 deals that came down day one with Vegas. I'll be shocked if it does. I will be shocked if the side deals with Vegas to have... Francis stay away from players on their roster exceeds 10 deals. Now, I won't be shocked if Francis is able to exceed the five post-draft deals that George Mm -hmm. McPhee made in Vegas, where he traded away players originally selected. I think he could go over that. I won't be shocked by that. In fact, Marissa and Jemmy, who has just moved, we had her on this show before. She covered the NWHL. She has been on the women's hockey beat for a very long time. She covered the Bruins before that. She is moving to Seattle. She's in the process of doing that right now. She's taking a job with the Seattle Times to cover the Kraken. She says that she is hearing from sources that the Flames are interested in Tyler Pitlick. This is a former Edmonton Oilers draft pick. Went from Edmonton to Dallas, Arizona, and he looks to be the selection off the Coyotes roster. That's what's been reported. Marissa saying multiple sources say the Flames are interested in Tyler Pitlick. If the Kraken do indeed decide to trade him, they're expected to pick him from Arizona in expansion. How many of those deals are out there in place? Is mm-hmm. Mark Giordano a name that gets flipped? We see all the defensemen that they're acquiring. How many of those are on the move, whether they're of the name brand variety or of the younger variety that Seattle has decided to select in this expansion draft today because they did what we expected Ron Francis would do. This is the one part a lot of people got right. He's going to load up on D. Yeah, he's done that so far. Not really a name that makes you go and think, kind of lift your head too much, but it is a deal that uh, he's a winger, 29-year-old, that Calgary could be getting, and who knows what the return is for that player. Career average, he's hit 20 points in a couple of seasons, Scott, this past year. 11 points, only played 38 games with the Arizona Coyotes. I had that really significant leg injury with the Oilers back when he played for them. Uh, derailed what looked like to be a promising 
early start to his young career, but still a serviceable player. And maybe this is just the, the tip of the iceberg, right? I know we do know, expect Brad to live in to be pretty active in the next couple of days. They lost Mark Giordano. He's got that cap space now open for him, almost $7 million now on the cap for him to use. But, you know, it's just a trade in the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what we could see tomorrow and what Calgary could be doing. Well, and here's the other factor in this with the entry draft just two days away. A lot of people feel this draft is a crapshoot. There are others that are higher on it. They feel stronger about their video scouting departments. But with that in mind, with a variety of opinion on, hey, what are we really getting here with whatever pick we hold? Might Living use that in a package to make some sort of deal? I've said before about the Flames, I don't expect them to be as active transaction-wise as a team like Vancouver. Like I believe Vancouver will make more transactions this offseason, but Calgary of the Western Canadian teams may end up making the biggest transaction. Right. 13th overall they have, 12th selection. <laughs> so if you're I, – I just want to ask you this because I was just, you know, putting this around in my head. I was kind of thinking about it. So if you're the one – if you're someone who's drafted 12th or 13th, do you say you're the 12th overall selection in the draft? Do you say you're 13th? Does it matter? <laughs> Quite frankly, other than a, hey, we want to make sure everybody knows why you're not selecting here, so we're going to leave you on the board point of view, I'm not sure why it's even listed the way it is. I don't know why it is either. Like, who we're, cares we're that We're bypassing Arizona... the pick, but we're going to make sure everybody knows that Arizona was supposed to, supposed to pick 11th, even though Calgary's going to select the 12th player should they hold on to that pick. I, again, I would think with as... Big a move as Brad Trilliven is expected to make at some point to shake up this core in Calgary, that that pick is in play. I'm not saying that he wants to move it. Probably wants to use it if given his druthers and just move pieces off his roster for pieces off of somebody else's. But we will see. We will see. Calgary has an extra third-round pick this year for those wondering. They don't have a fourth, but they have that extra one as part of the James right. Neal deal. Remember that? Oh, yeah. He's going to be bought out by the Edmonton Oilers. How's that deal looking for both teams right now? I think if you are Calgary, you're thinking, yeah, we won this one. We got a player who's still, you could argue at times, was the, I don't know, the best player for the Calgary Flames, but a player that did exactly what you asked to in Milan Lucic. You got Edmonton to retain some of that salary, Scott, and then you lose James Neal, that contract off your books, and now he's going to be bought out by the Edmonton Oilers. Hmm. Remember, remember how that story changed. When Neil was filling the net early in his Oilers days, it was the real steal. The real steal. Not the real deal anymore. He's the real steal. There's no way to argue that Calgary won the deal. A couple years later, people feel a lot differently about that. That's why sometimes trades take a little bit uh, longer to see who's the winner and the losers in this one, and definitely the Edmonton Oilers were the losers in this trade. Uh, hindsight 2020, probably keep Milan Lucic if I was... It wasn't even... It was... Was it Trelly or Holland? That was Trelly back back then, right? That's Trelly that made the deal. So think about this. <laughs> no, it's Holland. Is it Holland? Did he make Holland that Holland made that trade. That was one of his first trades that he made? Yeah, Shirelli, Peter... Shirelli signed Koskinen and then was out, like immediately right, after fired. signing that deal. Great. Uh, it's been a long day, folks. It's been a long day. Hey, Adam Larson's gone. Taylor Hall, one for one. All they need is Koskinen to be bought out and the Peter Torelli full circle. Basically, the damage he did to that team, well, it's gone. We didn't end up putting up a poll question. We very easily could have. It's a question that we asked earlier and is a nice segue into notes and quotes. So let's get there. Greg, notes and quotes. Fire it up. Who's in the top six? Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Who's in the crease? Really none of your business. And who's in the press box? It's time for notes and quotes. 
the poll question we could have put out there with all of the leaks coming out this morning and us knowing the identity of virtually everybody that's on Seattle's draft list right now, are you going to watch the expansion draft tonight? I am. I know you are. And it's not just job <coughs> obligation or brand loyalty for me. We had somebody suggest that earlier. I'm interested. I'm interested as a fan just to so see I. what this looks like. I'm interested in the spectacle that this is going to be in the unveiling today. Are they using float planes? What does Marshawn Lynch do? Who are the players that they've actually brought to town to make this part of the splash? I'm interested in all of that. Do they have duck boats in Seattle? You know, those boats that go on the water and go on the on the road, do they have those? Can we use those in any of this? Because those would I be fun. I think so. I think they do. I'm not positive on that, Karen. Obviously, Boston is the city that's associated with those a lot, and I know they've got them in multiple places. I think they have them in Seattle, but float planes would be way cooler. Way cooler. They're using Gasworks Park in Seattle, mm-hmm. so you could roll a float plane right up there. They're going to have about 5,000 people on hand. We've mentioned a bunch of the celebrities, some of them being from sports fame, some of them like Macklemore being simply celebrities that are out there and a bit associated with Seattle sports, most notably the Seahawks in his case. I think it's going to be fun tonight. I really do. I, I do too. And I mean, you have to think that even though it's a disappointment, like ESPN has put a ton of money to get the rights back, them and TNT splitting them next year, Scott, you have to think that Disney and all the money that's going on with that, they're going to make it a must-see TV. Yeah, you know the picks, but you don't know everything that's going to happen. So to me, it just makes it must-see viewing tonight. I understand why some people might not be as into it. You know which player you're going to lose for your team. It doesn't really matter what else is going to happen. I get that. I understand it. But in the same point, I just think it's going to be... I think it's going to be fun. Like, this is fun. We got another NHL franchise. So if you are the Seattle Kraken today and you're putting this run of show together, who is the first player that you're introducing and who is the last player that you're introducing? Because that's quite... That's often the way you put a story together, right? Hey, you... You use your best headliner first, and you close big as well. So you bookend the entire process so that you've got memorable items at both ends. Who is the first player unveiling? Is it going to be someone of note, or are you going to save that and build the entire way? Well, hopefully they're not doing alphabetical because of Arizona and Anaheim off the top, and that's not really any flashy picks. I'm doing Yanni Gord, two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, coming to the Seattle Kraken. That's who I'm going with. It's either him or Mark Giordano. It's either him or Mark Giordano. I'm with you. I think I would introduce Yanni Gord first. He's got back-to-backs. And you're right, Giordano might be flipped, but that's okay. You yeah. can still introduce him as part of your show. He can still be part of that if they brought up the town. Why not? There's a guy who's going to be really well-spoken. He's been around. You can talk about the Norris Trophy. You're probably going down that road. One of those two. <laughs> I'm looking at the rest of the list. I'm thinking, oh, okay, so who's second? Like, Adam Larson, he signed a 4x4. Do we stick him? He decided to stay and join this franchise, leave another one within our division. Do you do that? There's not really any, like, I would say, okay, marketing-wise, this is how I want to go. Like, I understand we've talked about some of these picks, and they look really good in the totality of them, Scott. But I'm just like, ah, I don't know who else is marketable on this team that you want to go. Okay, and the second overall pick. Jamie Oleksiak is, is super tall. Do you take him to <laughs> the, space, the needle? space Needle? Yeah, like is he on the Space Needle because he's your tower on the back end? Is that what you're doing? Like you can have some fun with this with geographical landmarks around Seattle and some of the the things you can do around there. Like is that what you're doing with Jamie Oleksiak now that you've come to terms on a deal with him and he's going to be your selection? 
I do think maybe Chris Dreger is front and center, and I know he's not. <sighs> Carrie Price. Nope, he's or not. He's not Jonathan Quick in name recognition, but. You did sign him, apparently, to a three-year deal. You want him with his organization. I don't know if he's your starter moving forward, but is that someone they decide to say early because they signed a guy that wants to be with this organization? Most likely to shotgun a beer for you and get the party started, Brandon Tanev. Are you making him part of the fire-up, the adrenaline squad, if you will? <laughs> Maybe he goes and punches somebody. What's their mascot? Do they have a mascot yet? I haven't seen that. I don't think they have the mascot. Is that the Could one thing we're waiting that. for? I might be wrong. Hey, maybe that. maybe they'll unveil that tonight. That's why you should sure. tune in, Scott. We'll get to see the mascot, whatever I'm crack tuning in. Decide. I don't know if our listeners are. I'm tuning in for sure. Absolutely. I'm going to do that. Uh, I would like to note a good friend of ours, Ian McCletchy, did text me and saying yes to the boats. He believes that's what the Seattle Seahawks rode in their parade, in their, uh, in their Super Bowl winning parade in the duck boats. All right, there you go. Devin in Saskatoon, you two are crazy. Edmonton always won the trade because Neil gives you savings when you buy him out. Lucic doesn't. Both are zero-value players, but you can actually get rid of Neil. Well, Milan Lucic was an important player in at least a playoff series for the Calgary Flames, and he, I mean, zero-value players. I guess it depends the way you look at that. If you watch Milan Lucic play this season for the Calgary Flames, who were not a very good outfit, he was not a zero-value player for that team. He was not, and guess what? The Oilers are paying the Flames for him to play for them. So I think the Oilers lose that deal. They're going to have two players on the books that no longer play for them. I've been waiting my whole life for a team in Seattle, so yes, I'll be watching. One thing I want to see is Marshawn Lynch raising what is usually the 12th fan flag at former Century Link, but instead of the 12, <gasps> it'll be Yanni Gord's name, says this texter. Oh, I like that. I thought maybe it would be Marshawn with the first overall pick and they could be raising it themselves. But if yes, if the flag denotes who the first pick is, I like that. That's good marketing. Edge in Port Moody. Francis chose Morgan Geeky over Jake Bean, and apparently there's no side deal according to Edge. I haven't seen that reported, but I'm not going to doubt you on that until I verify that, Edge. If this is the case, this deserves considerable criticism. Maybe. Oh, I think there's a side deal coming. I completely think there's a side deal coming. How about Johnny Depp dressed up as Jack Sparrow announcing a pick? Haven't heard that Johnny Depp's involved in this process, but I guess we're looking into Bruckheimer films and we're looking into some Hollywood Pirates pull. of the Caribbean. Is Johnny Depp a guy that you want to tout out right nope. now? There's a lot of nope. stuff that's been swirling around nope. Johnny Depp in the past couple of years. Might not be someone that you want associated with your franchise and an expansion franchise. Scott, you did something this morning that I did not do. You actually did something last night that I did not do. You stayed up to watch a little bit of the Olympics because they started yesterday. We had the softball. If you're following Devin Haru on Twitter, and you should for CBC Sports, he's been documenting his entire <laughs> experience while over there. Apparently, it was a bit of a experience for him to get the four hours to Fukushima to see the game last night, but you watched a little bit of it. Uh, I did. Canada. Canada. Early lead. couple runs in the bottom of the first. Sarah Gronwagen was excellent. On the mound, she was great yesterday. Canadian team was great. Good win. I didn't watch it in its entirety as that went into just after 1 a.m. On the, on the West Coast. But I was up for the early part of that game. Canada looked very good. I watched some soccer this morning as well. Did, Christine yeah. Sinclair scored again. Tough injury for Canada. Starting goalkeeper, and I really hope this isn't a bigger story moving forward in the tournament. It was a part of the game here today. 
Stephanie Labe, she fouls mm-hmm. the Japanese forward, and the Japanese forward landed on top of her. Looked like her shoulder or maybe scapula based on the way she was landed on and what they were checking out with her. She was on tears in the pitch. I mean, we talk about, hey, the Canadian grit and determination. She decided she would stay on. Mm-hmm. And because she had committed a foul in the box and received a yellow card, she also conceded a penalty kick. She stopped the penalty kick, and then five minutes later, the adrenaline probably starts to wear off a little bit, yeah. and she can't Pain. continue. She has to come off, and the goal that Japan actually scored, the keeper's out of position for Canada. Not yeah. a great goal from a goalkeeping standpoint. It ends up going down as a draw. This doesn't sink Canada in this tournament. Japan... Not a formidable opponent the way they were a few years ago, but with being the host nation and you know the history of soccer in the last decade there, you knew they were going to be a better outfit. So this is early. It's not a terrible result. It's disappointing because Canada had the lead Mm -hmm. and looked like the better club for most of it. Yeah, 84th minute. That's a tough one to give up the game time goal. Canada will play Chile on Chile, sorry, Chile on Saturday and then play Britain on Tuesday. Britain Scott is composed of Great Britain and different countries that make up that. Majority of it is the English side, but there are some Irish as well, Scottish players on that team. I need to get this in and we didn't do take the L today because we just had too much stuff and that's totally fine, but I'm we don't need the 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 stinger greg but i do want to say take the l team usa biggest upset that i think you and i expected sweden is a very good internationally at women's soccer they beat the united states in the quarterfinals in the last summer olympics they beat them in penalty kicks it was an absolute shocker that the u.s didn't even get a medal well the u.s lost today snapping their 44-game unbeaten streak in dominant fashion. Sweden takes down the United States. Three-goal loss. It's a big that story. ties them for their second-worst loss in major tournaments. It's their first loss since January of 2019. Massive upset. Take the L. Team United States. Megan Rapino doesn't get to stand there and do her posing after scoring. Love her. Love what she stands for. But when it comes to soccer on the pitch... Love to see her lose. Love to see the U.S. lose as well, Scott. Yeah, you're not going to have a lot of people argue with you on that front here. <laughs> Generally, one of the star attractions when it comes to international women's soccer is the U.S. team. They have household names. They're loaded. You mentioned some of them during the course of that conversation. But, yeah, seeing the U.S. lose 3-0 to Sweden, a lot of people are going to be just fine with that. Thank you very much. We'll see what happens here in subsequent matches as well. Yeah, I'm kind of starting to get into the Olympics here. It's difficult because we're paying so much attention to the National Hockey League, and and normally what we're talking about now would be happening a month earlier. It's just the collision that these two sports are on right now. We'll see the NHL schedule unveiled tomorrow. We all know this already. It's going to include an Olympic break. There's a second schedule made that doesn't include an Olympic break, so teams are going to hear what that looks like they're going to know what that looks like whether or not when we're talking winter games canada and and all the other countries and the players can come to an agreement as to whether to go to that or not that was one of the fun things we were going to do today and we never got there oh we had so much fun stuff for you guys and for the listeners to you know be interactive in the show with we were going to do can i say it we were going yeah to do? of course we were going to do the expansion protected list for team canada men's hockey team and here like would be the said- premise, and obviously it's not happening, but let's say they put an international team in play in China. Hey, we're going to get more good players involved, and yes. so Team Canada, you'd be able to protect seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, 
Or you could do the same thing and protect just eight overall skaters and a goalie. Go. Who do you protect? And some of the names mm-hmm. at the top are obvious. But in and around five, six, seven with the forwards in particular, little. around that third defenseman spot gets a little difficult because you know that you might be giving up a really good player to Team International in this hypothetical conversation. Yeah, exactly. Sean Couturier was one player that I struggled with he was not on my list but you think like he's going to be on team canada do you want to lose him to another team it's very difficult i went very heavy on the centers in this one scott i'm going to keep it just in case we do do it we're also going to do a fun it's barbecue season barbecue expansion we're going to give you a list of what are the best you know take your what five mains three sides one drink and you get to have your best pick of your expansion barbecue season and we didn't even get to do that people love food they love talking about food the insider spoiled that fun as well I think it was fun to talk about everything going on with Seattle. We're going to be talking about more side deals tomorrow. We're going to see some of them break during the course of our show. The roster freeze lifts in the second hour, right at the start of the second hour of our program. So it will be a wild ride tomorrow as well. We have split listening yet tomorrow. We're going to have first couple hours on both sides of the Rockies tomorrow. Jim Benning is available for his media conversation and has been made exclusive to us in Vancouver. So Calgary will have local programming after the second hour of the show tomorrow. Vancouver will have local programming as well. So Jim Benning, you're going to hear an extensive conversation after what we see go down in Seattle with everything that happens at 10 o'clock. Is Vancouver involved in any side deals? Is there any trade activity that he's announcing live on our show tomorrow? You will have to wait and find out. Josh Elliott Wolf, fine job producing the program today. Big ups to Greg Ballack back at Mission Control. Roger Shergill jumps in tomorrow as the producer of this program. We will turn things over to the big show in Calgary. Karen, buckle up. It's going to be a fun 24 hours, and we're back at it tomorrow. This should be good. I'm ready. I'm in the saddle. I'm ready to go, Scott. Bick and the Boss coming up next in Vancouver. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.